Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I am hanging in there. Thank you, Jeff. People have been asking us for our take on the Cam versus Mace beef. Is it a beef? We have zero takes. Zero takes because it's not really a beef if Cam says it's not a beef. We, we have nothing to say about that. What we do want to talk about, though, is the Diplomats reunion show that went down... Oh, a few days before Thanksgiving. Right. Spotify was putting together their Rap Caviar New York show with ASAP Mob and Don Q and... A reunited diplomats. Yeah. So you're going to get Jim, you're going to get Cam, you're going to get Freaky, and you're going to get Jewels. All on one stage. Everyone was really looking forward to it, especially these two guys. Yeah, because are... they were actually <laughs> posting about each other and they were... Doing stuff that made it seem like it was a reunion. and We were very excited. We were put on the list. We went down there two hours late, but that's fine. Like, you know, this is Dipset time, right? Yeah. We showed up. And it was 2008? It was it was about 2008 cops outside. Like, yeah. all of the New York Police Department was there with these barricades, pushing people into the streets, getting them away from Hammerstein Ballroom, and trying to... I guess, organize when it just seemed like it, it was just chaos from the beginning. Yeah, because they tell you to get off the sidewalk, and then they push you into the street, and then they tell you to get out of the street and onto the sidewalk. It was just a lot. So we jump into this long line, and we are here to get into this concert. Right, and it's not like we're going to jump to the front of the line and say, do you know who we are? We have a niche podcast. We get into these deep dives you know, conversations, going through a person's long history from point A to point B. None of that. We no. didn't we didn't we didn't give them the elevator pitch. We just got online and the moment we got in there, they shut the thing down. And we're getting texts inside saying that people are about to go on, that ASAP Rocky is out there talking, and we're like, Well, this is not good and we turn to our right and who do we see? We see everybody from Rock Nation. Yeah. But they can't get in and that is when we decided this was not going to happen. Or if, the better, what we really thought was we're going to go join them because well, if, if, if anybody's going to get into this concert, if anybody understands be, this niche podcast, it's all these people who have been on it already. Right. Let's get in together. They said we can't even get in. We got Jim in. That's as much as we can do. Lenny S was like, I'm going to go see a movie. <laughs> well, he didn't just say any movie. He said, I'm going to go see Bad Mom's Christmas too. Why? Because Bad Mom's Christmas 1 was really good. There you go. So we said, enjoy, have fun. We stayed out there. They all left. And we stuck around long enough to see that Cam wasn't let in. And then just keeps walking. And we're like, well, you know. Fuck it. Yeah. So we head towards the train station because we are going to go home, get some dinner, and probably, you know, read about how this concert never happened because Cam couldn't get in. And we were smart to leave at, like, 10 o'clock. That's, that's what we were going to read about. We went one block, and then we see fucking Cam and 40 people trailing behind him walking down 8th Avenue <laughs> south past where the venue is, right? past the post office. Like, did not stop. No, it was it was like seeing Muhammad Ali down in Africa, just like this massive crowd of people, phones out, and British yelling, British is uh, Cam's manager, right. British was yelling at certain people. And like, you know what? We were like, this is amazing. We have to join in. Yeah, so, so now we are know, part of this We're thing. part of this school of fish, and we work our way towards Cam before Cam like makes a right and heads towards some parking lot and we're like well 
at this point, we can either just stay here and not say hi to a bunch of our friends in this crowd, or we can follow. And so we followed, and we went towards him until he was having a very heated conversation with some other people at the parking garage, and we decided... You want to know what? We've gone too far. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen enough. Now, now we are stalkers. That's right. But you know what? At that point, with Cam not even getting in, with the cops shutting the line down outside, with so many people just standing there and telling random people who are walking by that it's a concert because people are like, what is this? That Rock Nation couldn't get in. That whole thing. Isn't that the most diplomat type of evening? Yes. Also, it should be said, we thought we were so smart. Oh, my God. We, we were, were like, smart, 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 smart. We are going to go home. We are not going to stay outside of this venue that we can't get inside. It's windy out. We're not going to be stupid and catch a cold out here. Nope. Go home. And then it turns out that the concert went on. Yeah, at like 1130. So we're dumb. I hate that we didn't go there. I'm mad that we didn't stick it out and try to bum rush the door. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Shout out to the diplomats. Shout out to the diplomats. And also, I think Mace won round one. All right. (laughs) So, on this week's podcast, we have the comedian, the very funny Ron Funches, who has an incredible story. And you guys know his work from Kroll Show. You know him from doing live stand-up with John Mulaney. He was on Curb Your Enthusiasm recently. He does voice work for Bob's Burgers and a whole bunch of other cartoons. You've seen him on Conan. He's an amazingly funny guy. He grew up in Chicago, moved out to Salem, Oregon. Talks about starting a career in entertainment in the middle of nowhere in the Northwest and actually being found and then making a national career and moving down to Los Angeles to become the Ron Funches we all know. And the one who gets to go to parties with Sarah Silverman and, <laughs> you know, dip his hands into barrels full of joints. You know, like it is. He lives the dream. Yeah, it is a, a really, really good podcast. We were so happy to have him on while he was in town. A few things before we get into the podcast. Just want to mention that if you guys are looking to support this podcast and want to do that in conjunction with getting a Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, wintertime present go to it's the real.com slash shop and get an it's the real t-shirt right now also shout out to everybody who has been reviewing and rating our podcast on itunes we see you and we appreciate you and we know that we bug you all the time to do it so thank you for following through jeff when do you want to get into this right now yo what up it's eric aka from the gutter aka stephen king's it yo what up it's jeff aka getting face aka are you start yo what's up y'all <laughs> it's ron A.K.A. Chocolate Cover Gummy Bear. Uh, A.K.A. Uh, late Rent Payment. <laughs> yeah, this is a waste of time with this, the real. Ron, what's happening? Not much. How are you guys doing? We're good. Thank you so much for coming through. Thank you for having me. How long are you in the city for? I'm just here through uh, Sunday, just doing shows at Caroline's. Right. I'm um, doing like pre-show for the Night of Too Many Stars, because they really got too many stars. <laughs> They got too many that I'm on the pre-show. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what does that even mean? Are you I'm of... like just like ho- like doing crowd work while people find their seats, right. basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anybody but... here from out of town? Who here has autism? <laughs> Where are you originally from? Um, I'm originally from uh, Los Angeles. I was right. born in Los Angeles in, in Gardena. Uh, but I was raised in Chicago from like ages four till 13 and then uh, lived in Oregon. That's where I started comedy. Right. Yeah, yeah. So how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have one full sister. Okay. And I have several half siblings that oh. I don't really count. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you only half count them. Did you like Chicago while you were there? Not when I was a kid. I like it now. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. when I go back, I'm like, oh, it's a beautiful city. But when I was a kid, I was like, this is terrifying. Really? People just throw pennies at me. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I just was scared mostly. And so when it came time to move to Salem, Oregon, mm-hmm. were you like, great? <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I want to get out of here. I'm not doing real well. And um, I grew up in like Catholic school most of my oh, really? life and then were you catholic um <laughs> <laughs> by default yeah, yeah. at the time um, <laughs> and then my mom like couldn't afford it anymore she's a single mom you yeah know, raising two kids and so we had to go to public school and i don't know if you guys know but chicago public schools are not the best not the best well, what was your team name <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know um, the metal detectors probably <laughs> Um, I saw you talk uh, somewhere about how, you know, you were listening to Alanis Morissette. You just didn't fit in with everybody around you. Yeah, I mean, I've just always been, you know, a shyer person, a little more low-key person, and that didn't really uh, fit in there. It was always about being hype and, uh, you know, just being tougher in particular. Wait, and hype and tough about God? Like in Catholic school? <laughs> like how does that... It was a weird school. It was a Catholic <laughs> school where people got um, expelled for smoking weed in the in the coat rooms and stuff like that. It was like, you know, it was a Catholic school in name, but, you know, it was... It wasn't, and it definitely wasn't as rough as that public school. Right, that, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That was freaking terrifying because it was just a bunch of, like, tough kids who all knew each other from first grade until then and then i just showed up so (laughs) (laughs) what part of chicago were you living in i'm in south side uh 69th and woodlawn to be exact um near stony island yeah 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 yeah. and your older sister what was her experience in chicago um she was uh similar you Mm -hmm. know but she was she kind of we kind of went two separate paths. She was very studious, very like she's gonna get out of it through her studies, and and she became a doctor. Like by her mid twenties, she was already through medical school. Man. So, um, and I was just like, I'm gonna take bong hits and, <laughs> in the coat closet, yeah. and you know, hopefully not get expelled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you do go to Oregon, mm-hmm. are you happy immediately? Um, no, not really, because my dad had like this shitty uh, girlfriend that he was with, and um, do you want to shout her out? <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to Rosalind, <laughs> rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> She is no longer. Uh, <laughs> let's see, let's really see the reach of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, wait, so you get up to Salem, Oregon. What do you know about Oregon? Um, not much at the time. I don't think I know anything about Oregon at the time, and not even know how to pronounce it at the time. Uh, Yo, they get pissed if you say like Oregon. Yeah, right? they do. Yeah. They do, and I think that's what I was saying <laughs> yeah. at that point. Uh, and so I just was like, oh, it's probably full of uh, like just cowboys in country music and for the most part I was right yeah there you go congratulations yeah (laughs) so you go up there but 13 that's like that's a that's a tough age to move yeah it was you know it was the formative age I guess um but in a lot of ways it really helped me out because it let me see that just get a different perspective on things because like the things that were cool in Chicago weren't cool in Oregon and things that were cool in Oregon would have got me beating the shit up out of me so uh, like what 
Just you know, uh, country, again, a lot of country music. Greece, Greece was huge. The, the movie? country, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> nice, nice, tuple jokes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like a writer's the country was just yeah. like yeah. punching up, you yeah, know, at all times. Nice. Yeah, yeah, they were all about that Spanakopita and <laughs> <laughs> baklava and stuff. So it was. It was different. Was that something where you could just like start anew and like, you know, create whoever you were? Um, no, mostly I just kept to myself, really. Like, I just was like the kid sitting by his locker just reading, reading Moliere or reading some other bullshit. And, At uh, 13, 14? Yeah, man. You I were so me. interesting. I you know. know. Yeah. Like, Thank what you. an interesting Yo, person you are. Alanis Morissette. <laughs> <Moriere. laughs> Did you have a cowboy hat on? <laughs> I'll no fit in. Cowboy hat. But I got my ears pierced because I thought that, because that was, I remember the girls, this was still in Chicago, but the girls had like a list of like, what you could do to be more attractive. <laughs> and they were like, Ron should get his ears pierced. And so I did, and they were they were wrong. Yo, did you, <laughs> wait, did you have like studs, or were they like the heavy like diamonds like Cam had? Like, oh, I wish <laughs> I had studs, and I should have known it was a bad decision because my dad was like, "I'll do it too." <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is well, this clearly isn't cool anymore. <laughs> so, high school in Oregon. What do you do? You have a job when you get up there? Uh, no. I mean, I'm just kind of just going to school and. uh and that was it for a few years and then you know i eventually my dad m moved away a lot of people moved away and i was still there and i had a girlfriend and by the, you know by the time i was 20 i, I had my son so i was kind of just entrenched in being there for a while wow by the time you ended high school you were just like my life is going to be in salem oregon forever uh, i mean i didn't want that but it was looking like that and mostly i was just like i didn't know what i was going to do i mean i always you know since i was like four or five it's like comedy is all i've really been interested in but i just didn't think it was a real job you know yeah. i thought it was just like make believe or something you like, really were a parent <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what was your first job out there um my first real job i worked at a chuck e cheese okay uh for three weeks <laughs> and then they fired me because they said i wasn't uh um personable <laughs> the whole restaurant is like animatronics <laughs> yeah and i was in the back cooking pizza so i didn't really How personable understand. do you have to be i didn't get it i think it was just i was bad at it i was, <laughs> was not good at it yeah. i will agree with that <laughs> and eventually you moved on to doing what out there uh then i you know i bounced around i worked at a cannery for a while i worked at uh groceries a couple grocery stores as the world's uh, most popular cashier okay congratulations well, yep. yes yeah, wow, it was great people really enjoyed me. did any of the chuck e cheese people walk in and they're just like you know what i was wrong about you yeah. <laughs> you, you were very personal yeah, yeah right yeah. i really turned it around <laughs> yeah i really turned it around <laughs> Um, and then I worked at a bank for a while, at a bank call center. Just any job. All my jobs, the only way I could survive, because I was not, I did not have much of a work ethic, mm. uh, was I was just good at talking. Mm. I was good at talking my way out of things. Or anytime I got in trouble, I remember, because I would take like hour and a half lunches, <laughs> and, and then I would just not show up for work. Yeah, what's the times. rush, right? Yeah, yeah. that's what I feel. <laughs> and then they eventually, my boss would find out, and they'd be like, what's the deal? Like, what's the deal with the Mrs. Lunch? And I'm just like, look, I don't remember. That was two weeks ago. <laughs> I was like, the past is the past, man. We got to focus on the future. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so are you doing anything in high school to sort of, like, further your ambitions of comedy at any, like, 
rape? No, I mean, the only thing when I look back at it, um, I did a couple sketches with some friends and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, we would do some backyard wrestling, things like that. So we were always kind of like videotaping things every now and then, but nothing with this clear like oh i want to be a comedian or anything like that um i didn't come until like i had my son and then once he was diagnosed with autism i was like oh i need a career Mm -hmm. right and i was like this was the only thing i'm interested in pursuing like a career so i got started hitting open mics well first of all like how did you when when your son was diagnosed like how did you find out how did you how did you come to that uh decision to take him to the hospital like all that um well you know he just was an aloof kid i just thought he was a cool kid you know he didn't need a lot of a lot of you to look at him a lot he's just doing his own thing and i just thought that's who he was and then my mom was my it was my mom she was just like you know she just saw certain things that was like uh you know matched up with uh, symptoms of autism and she was just like you might want to think about taking him in and i bristled up and i was just like no he's just you know he's just a weird kid he's just like his dad we're just weirdos you know? <laughs> yeah and uh but you know because for a while we thought he was deaf because he just he wouldn't respond to mm-hmm. things when you like you could like drop a book right next to him and he would just zone right into whatever he was watching mm. uh so there's just things like that because at first you know he was um developing pretty normally for like the first two years and then it seemed like it just regressed he stopped talking and Mm. uh started staring and stopped sleeping so that's a lot for for someone who's in their very early 20s too wouldn't you say yeah i mean and but i mean on top of being a parent in their in your early 20s like were you just forced to grow up like immediately yeah i mean i kind of always had been like you know i grew up my mom was in like an abusive relationship and she was a single mom so i've always kind of like defaulted to being like the man of the house so um i'm mostly doing my childhood now (laughs) 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 buying a lot of action figures uh, going to the gym all the time are you still doing uh backyard wrestling (laughs) yeah actually i'm starting wrestling school in january so no way yeah really yeah are you ready for that yes oh i don't know know if this is like a marathon where you have to like you know build up and train or oh i mean i've been training you know i lost like 130 pounds right congratulations i'm just trying to take it to that next level see how how fit i can be well but yeah but you need like a character yeah of course yeah oh, oh so what is your yeah right now i mean i don't know things change as they develop but i feel like i've always wanted to be um, ron reckless negro bunches <laughs> mm-hmm. uh you know and then my catchphrase is hide your weed and white women <laughs> there's a reckless negro coming and i wear like cut off jean shorts i'm from the coast of oregon yeah. i just you know i'm just reckless and wild mostly <laughs> I feel like that. I mean, I have thought about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah a little bit. In yeah. your, in your, um, <laughs> when you applied for uh, wrestling school, did you have to write all this down in like? One <laughs> no, you just gotta give them a check. <laughs> <laughs> when you were doing backyard wrestling, though, like in high school, what was the like craziest thing that you guys would do? Um, we would do a lot. Of tr- My dad had this like broken down old BMW in the uh, front, and we would just jump on it and jump off of it and had my friend give me a leg drop from the top of it to the uh hood of the car she left these big old dents in it <laughs> that no that we would just be like we don't know 
Um, have you spoken to Anise about this? I have not, not about. I mean, I've talked to Anise about wrestling a lot. Well, sure, that's that, what yeah, Anise yeah. likes to talk about. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, I haven't talked to him since I decided I was going to the class. But I'm sure I'll see him at like PWG or something. Yeah, yeah. So you're in your early 20s. You're still in. Are you still in Salem, or have you moved to like Portland? Or I'm in my early 20s. I'm still in Salem. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, what what is Salem like in your early twenties as a father? Like, what what can it's you? Depressing. Yeah, it's very depressing. It's a lot of apathy. It's a lot of like, uh, we'll never get out of this town. Or oh, you know. it's, everyone agrees. Everyone agrees. <laughs> yeah, everyone agrees. Like, uh, you, you're just looking for a job at a, at a call center, whether it's a bank or T-Mobile or something of that regard. And you just kind of it's like a lot of people just really starting to drink themselves into. To wait until die really i mean and i don't want to put it down a hundred percent yeah do you work the, on the tourism board <laughs> <laughs> it really it's the capital come <laughs> on down uh but it's just i mean there's i think a lot of those smaller towns uh have that same vibe where it's you either get because there's such boredom and there's not much upward momentum you either get people who kind of fold into that or you get a lot of these very progressive very uh free thinkers and there was a lot of that i mean that's um i got a lot of support when i was doing starting comedy there i did a show at a coffee shop and making no i mean that's how i made money for a couple of years it's just getting donations for like 20 30 bucks and then buying food for that with that and um and just doing these shows in empty rooms five or six people just and then they would always just let me come back and do it again the next month you know so it, there was a lot of support in that regard um and then just a lot of people who were trying to do pills and that that was it you know yeah, was was that coffee shop like an official open mic, or was it sort of just like it was like a showcase that mm-hmm. I ran, and so which mostly was an open mic. We were mm-hmm. all open mic level, uh, but it would just be me booking five or six people from like Portland or whatever, and uh, and that really in the early days let me see how much of an effort and how much of a grind you had to put into doing stand up because you get people who would just be like, no, I don't want to drive 40 minutes to come do your show because I could do shows here. And I was just like, man, this whole job is going town to town to town trying to apply your trade. Why would you... Why would you balk about a forty-minute drive? Right. You know, it's like I live here. Like every time I go do a gig, I used to, at one point I was in on the Oregon coast. I was driving two and a half hours to go do open mics. Man. It was like it was ridiculous. But I mean, I just knew that that's what how you had to do it. Yeah. So I mean, you did have a drive. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. I did. <laughs> Thank you. Yo, I want to like hit up all the jobs that like you know were not thrilled with you and just be like, see? Yeah. I mean, I just had to care. Really. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't care about those other jobs. I hated them. I didn't want to be there. It was the only thing I was willing to start at the bottom at. I was mm-hmm. like, man, I'll show up to work if I'm like the the head of the company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you you had those nights where it was just like it did not go great and still had to like drive all the way home and that's a long solitary yeah. situation yeah man it was horrible uh, a lot of times even sometimes when it did go well you're just like what am i doing this for or you didn't get paid or or sometimes you know you're doing small podunk towns in the northwest some people they're like performing in front of these crowds that are kind of racist and stuff and i just remember i was doing a bit and then the, and the whole 
two within three minutes she asked me some joke was heckling me about whether i wanted to eat watermelon and if i knew oprah and i was just like i don't even understand your racism it's like such a weird racism and i was just and then i would get off stage and I'd just be like this is what i work hard for to try to entertain people like this you know um and it was very disheartening but yeah you know well follow-up question did you know oprah <laughs> not at the time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not currently yeah uh, but hopefully in the future i yeah. will know oprah. Into yeah. that's the whole thing yeah <laughs> well, and what was the what was the scene like up there did you find other people who had a similar drive as you uh not at first <laughs> i mean but it was a cool scene it was a wild scene and i think it was perfect for me at the time because it was kind of coming into its own at the same time that i was coming into comedy it was dire when i first started it was just um the only way to do any success uh or to be successful excuse me uh was to do triple runs which were these gigs where you're driving to like billings montana and all these other podunk towns and you were just lucky if you broke even with yeah. the money and i just knew i didn't want to do that yeah and then there's like a group of other people who didn't want to do that and we'd all just hit open mics and just go around town in portland just hitting these different mics and and with no real roadmap of how this would even work out but i think that was the best for us because you weren't you didn't have anyone to copy to be like this is how i'd be successful you know you just were like oh this is what i do this is what i like doing nothing's gonna come out of it right so i might as well just be me and yeah. have fun and i think that was like the best thing for me and then we end up getting festivals and now now it's like a hotbed like a lot of comics travel through there all the time so who's the first person in the northwest to take notice of you and be like yo i think that you're really good and there's more to it than just like billings montana <laughs> um, where by the way i bet there are cowboys out there right yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> they definitely are um the first i mean i had a couple headliners take me out that were like shitty regional guys that uh would be like Let's do these sets and now wait for me while I try to have sex with this waitress. <laughs> and we just be waiting for hours. And he would get it. <laughs> Dope. Thanks yeah. to support from people like you. Yeah, yeah he would get it. <laughs> and that was horrible. So, and Because I, I was also married at the time. So mm -hmm. for a while it was just me being like, oh, is this what comedy is? <laughs> like You have to be a shitty dude and you just bilking, bilking bars out of who don't even want comedy shows <laughs> out of 50 bucks. Um, and then I worked with this guy named Dwight Slade, who uh, was a big comic in Oregon and was known for uh, mostly hanging out and being best buds with Bill Hicks in mm. the past. And he was like the first guy to teach me that you can be like a good guy and do comedy. Like we would go out and go to zoos or a monastery and we would find fun things to do before the shows and i would just be like oh okay this can be fun i can do it how i like to do it and and then um one of the first people outside who saw me in the festival and then started taking me around was moshe kasher mm -hmm. um he was just liked my comedy and liked me as a person he's been a friend for a long time and uh yeah him and then eventually it was like john mulaney mm -hmm. and uh nick kroll and stuff like that so Cool. Sklar Brothers, yeah, a lot of cool people. What was the strangest festival experience that you ever had? Uh, my strangest festival experience was this festival in Miami, uh, <laughs> in which 
uh, it was a music festival with, like with Modest Yahoo and a couple other people, and then he canceled, which should have been my first indication <laughs> that this wasn't going to work out well. Uh, and then you get there, and it's like damn near a hurricane going on, <laughs> and we're all doing comedy in these tents, and there's just like just wind being whipped up through these tents for it, and then they just didn't pay us. <laughs> <laughs> The, they paid us but the checks bounced and it was like the first time that that had happened to me where i was just like oh i'm never gonna get this money <laughs> yeah it just isn't i come out in the negative because i gotta pay these bank fees uh. now you know um that probably was the weirdest festival i've been to uh most festivals are pretty chill just boring as shit <laughs> you know just watching people drink all day hannibal so, invited us to a, a festival this is years ago a festival that he was doing in new jersey yeah in the in the giant stadium parking lot okay this already sounds wonderful oh it was great yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it was like i don't know what kind of like it was bamboozle fest yeah and there were like it was like Fallout Boy. Off of the movie? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was real cerebral. Yeah. Um, and it was uh it was dark. Directed by but, Spike Lee, yeah, right? yeah. But yeah, no, it was like it was super windy. Um we found out that uh comedy outside not oh, yeah. usually a great well, idea. No, it's not the best you idea. You had someone no. over there who was just like midget wrestling happening in like thirty minutes and it, Hannibal's just trying, you know, to get yeah. his stories across yeah. and it's Machine not, Gun Kelly was performing yeah, like, you know, taking. over there and Lil Wayne and <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, festivals are like the absolute worst. It's just babysitting drunk people uh <laughs> while they get ready to go see who they actually wanna see. And it just doesn't work well for comedy. You do it because they pay well, you mm-hmm. know. But I never have I mean unless it's like a complete comedy festival mm-hmm. I've never been to like a music festival and been like oh it's cool it brings out the worst in human nature you know <laughs> it's the only place you go to and you, you will be like oh there's just a dude just pissing like, <laughs> he's, just, he's just pissing right in front of me <laughs> and it's just the worst people and that's Lil Wayne that's <laughs> yeah. so um, you're touring around with, with, with different guys and do you get management at a certain point? Yeah, um, yeah. After I, when I first auditioned for like the Montreal Comedy Festival, mm-hmm. my manager saw me at the, at that time, and we just started talking a little bit. And you know, she was just like, "If you start, if you have anything I can help you with, let me know." Which usually means just like, "Hey, bust your ass, <laughs> do something, and then I'll want you." <laughs> <laughs> And so I did, and then yeah, she's been my manager uh, ever since. So wow, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've cycled through like a few managers, and it's sort of like you try to figure like what they want out of it and how much they can do for you, mm-hmm. as opposed to like what you can do for yourself. Yeah, and I don't know if it like you know ever sort of equals out, but it is it, it nice. No, to I mean offer. I've been lucky in that regard. Yeah. I know a lot of friends who have to switch managers and, and it can be you know, it's like breaking up in a relationship. Yeah. I've had to switch agents. Mm-hmm. Uh but like my manager just I mean has always shown the utmost belief in me, paid my rent when I couldn't pay wow. my rent and, you know, just always I mean I'm buying a house right now and like she legitimately has a room handled 90 oh. percent of the all of that like yeah got me the realtor it handled signed most of the things i'm pretty sure that's illegal <laughs> <laughs> but like she cares about me cares about my life and like 
like will not will stop me from like I want. There's a couple of times I wanted to do these commercials. One where I would have been dressed up as a cockroach <laughs> while uh, being extra black. Oh my god! <laughs> and and she was just like, yeah, I know you need the money now, but that will uh, you know that'll be around, and you <laughs> might not need that money two years from now. Mm, right. And you know, and she and was those right. Commercials live forever. Exactly. So she's always just been good at helping me see the whole picture. That's awesome. And at the same time, really advocating that I get the most money as possible. So um, I don't see me. Unless things get weird, you never know. <laughs> I, hopefully we'll stick together. And so at this time, you're still living in, in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And did you see, even if you're traveling around the country, did you see a way for you to relocate to either New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, somewhere where it's a bigger sort of scene and more opportunities Not for you? Not at the time, um, because again, I was married, I had my son, and I knew like unless I had a job and some money, I wasn't going to be able to afford to go live in either one of those places. It's too expensive. So um, it really took you know until I got divorced to where I was like, oh, I just need another place to live. Yeah. So um, I found a place. I found just a room to rent out in Los Angeles, and I just started hustling and grinding, and then got my own place. And then now my son lives back with me, and it was just me and him, and. Uh, that was real cool. Yeah. What was Los Angeles like when you first got there? It was terrifying. Yeah. It was terrifying. Was it like now? It's still uh, terrifying? It's <laughs> more, it's still scary, <laughs> but not terrifying because I get it now. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, you just got to drive like you're in the wild, wild west. <laughs> you got to be very offensive. Mm-hmm. Cut people off. Right. Watch out for the packs of Hasidic Jews walking the streets. That's right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can drive through a red light up to two cars. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the rules. You just got to learn the rules. <laughs> and now that I know the rules, I like it a lot more. Um, it's just I love the fakeness of it as well <laughs> as like the um, the drive. People have all this drive and, and, and delusion. Mm-hmm. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love the delusion of it because sometimes you make it work, you mm-hmm. know? And I, and again, that's like the opposite of where I came from, where there was just like, there's no hope, no desire. Out in LA, you just meet a guy and he's just like, I'm writing a script and I'm doing a <laughs> thing. I'm just like, well, I'm like, cool. I don't know if that's going to work out for you, but more power to yeah. you. <laughs> I'd rather have you doing that. I've always felt that like you can be as delusional as as you want to be as long as your effort outpaces that delusion mm-hmm. yeah when you're like delusional and lazy then it doesn't make any damn sense right you right know? right but you can be as insane as you want as long as you work hard what was your first uh hollywood party like uh first hollywood party um the first one i remember was um and the only one that i still go to uh sarah silverman she throws great parties and it was just cool to go in there and then there just be like containers of joints and edibles <laughs> and just hanging out and then oh there's larry david <laughs> you're just <laughs> like whoa this is real cool yeah um and and those are the only fun ones that go to i've been invited to some parties at different bars but like i don't i don't drink so it's never been that fun for me and then everybody looks like vampires <laughs> and jamie fox is there yeah. so. <laughs> so when you show up to to like sarah silverman's party are you Chuck E. cheese ron or are you cashier ron <laughs> i'm in the middle i talk to my friends yeah um luckily you know through stand-up and 
it's cooler because like people can just see your act and see you and be like, oh, cool. I, like I know you. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you. I like you. As a, I love your act, and that's that's all I need to Which know. Which means, by the way, you can't share those same anecdotes that you shared on stage with like Larry <laughs> David, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> like, I don't yeah. even try to directly <laughs> talk or look him in the eye. <laughs> I try to avoid. Uh, but, you know, I'll introduce myself and say yeah. hello. It's always cool when people come up to me and know who I am, especially. Like, that's probably, like, my the thing that keeps me going the most because half the time, you know, especially now coming off of some sitcoms and stuff, people come see me at my work and they don't necessarily know my style. Mm-hmm. And half the time I'm walking, like, you know, six to ten people and they just don't get what I'm about. But so it was nice to like have people who I've looked up to. Like I have like people like um Wanda Sykes or, or um Kevin Nealon or or even like Howie Mandel, people who I grew up watching what they do, who come up to me and are like, You're something. Like you you might not be ready yet, you might not be fully developed, but I see what you have in you and, and that's the things that really keep me going going that's amazing yeah. have half empty shows so. Yeah. <laughs> so you say you go out there and you start grinding you start hustling like are you are you doing clubs are you like waiting outside of clubs how does that work like uh mostly the time i'm doing like meltdown you know mm-hmm. i'm doing the comic book stores i'm doing a lot of uh shows for, at empty bars i'm doing just shows in the back of of just anywhere really back of taco shops or whatever um i'm just doing a lot of that and then auditioning for clubs yeah you know you have to break in and get into their rotation and um so eventually you know i had to get on the on that nbc show for like the comedy store and yeah yeah interested in me and now i go there and just eat shit at like 11 <laughs> and at night when people were like oh cool it's joe rogan oh cool it's zio vaughn and then they're like i don't know what the fuck this nigga's talking about <laughs> so in new york you can go to like do five different like you know venues in one night because you can just jump on the subway and like hit each one you're driving out in la and everything's not necessarily right around the corner how do you like how many gigs can you do in a night and is it a lot to sort of commit to to make those drives yeah i mean it's easier now because i have those the club support and now they'll like just email me asking when i want to come up so Mm -hmm. i just try to like stagger them where you're like oh i'll do the improv in the comedy store and maybe like some independent room um i just try to usually hit like five or six a week uh, which I know is not the same out here. It's like you can do five or six a night. Right. Um, but then you just balance it because out here you're not really doing the like acting classes, auditions. I mean, so a lot of people are, but it's not as much as you are in L.A. And so I think that's the difference. In L.A. you do a lot of work in the daytime. You know, you're doing a lot of podcasts and you're doing a lot of audition and and. and a lot of ways that's what the stand-up is out there is right. you're auditioning for other projects at night hoping people will see your your work you know and that's the that's the thing that really freaks me out when i go to my acting class and there are people being like oh my manager told me i need to get into stand-up so i could be seen and i'm just like that is so fucking weird <laughs> that you would be told to do stand-up so that you could be better in this career like no that's, that's 10 years of struggling why would you want to do that when you're new to la who are the comics you're running around with um, mostly the people who kind of took me in and, and showed me around were like um, Kamel and Emily. Um, they've always been real supportive to, with me and, and kind of like um, 
I guess just like elder statesmen to me. I always kind of look at what they're doing and see what I want to do. You know, whether they like they were the first people who I knew who were like buying a house and things like that. And so I'm like, oh, cool. You you open my eyes up to a new perspective and things that are possible, especially like with the Saturday Night Live type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, Moshe, um, Nick Kroll, especially, um, you know, he gave me my first job working on the Kroll show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that like? Um, it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrifying and cool because I had never written sketches. I never, I mean, I written some things for myself, but I, n- I didn't have final draft. I didn't know how to do anything like that. And did uh, you submit or did no? You- the fact they were they were just I had just opened for Mulaney and then I'd open for Nick Kroll, and they were just and I oh and I helped when I first moved. I helped um, John Daly. He was shooting some videos, and mm-hmm. I just went to go help him. I played a small part in it, and then I just stuck around and would just pitch him jokes. And he was just like, "Oh!" <laughs> then he ends up being like the head writer of Kroll Show. Yeah. And so in their second season, I was one of the people they reached out to because they were like, "Oh, I know you're funny. I know you know how to pitch jokes. Uh, we're interested in you." And Comedy Central was like, "No, he hasn't <laughs> had any experience." <laughs> right. And then they just fought for me, and they got me the job, That's and so then dope. they found out that he probably. Was wasn't good at it because <laughs> i wasn't the best at it i would hide in the bathroom a lot i, I treated it like a regular job <laughs> i hide in the bathroom I, was I just wasn't and i'm still not the best at writing in other people's voices mine is very specific like my jokes in other people's hands don't tend to work that well and, uh, but you got to actually like be on. You, yeah, you did your own stuff like on. Yeah, yeah, that's really how they helped me out. Was that instead of and I wrote I wrote some great things, but and it was really with the help of other people like me and uh, Gabe uh, Liebman. We wrote a lot of things for like the uh, C. Cesar character, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the Dad Academy. I think that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of was like cause that was the first time where I wrote a full sketch out with someone and then watched them perform it. And yeah. It was awesome. And then, yeah, like the lawyer stuff was just them being like, write yourself a sketch. If you're having such a fucking power <laughs> time, write a sketch for yourself. And I did, and they liked it. And it, and a lot of that lawyer character really just came out of how I was feeling working there. I was mm-hmm. oh, I was just like, oh, I'm happy. I'm nice. I'm happy to be here, but I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And that was that character. It was just a guy who was happy, but did not know what he was doing. Because, <laughs> I mean, you look at the cast of that show, and it's just really like a who's who of young Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, and so I just feel blessed to be that I was a part of it. What are some sketches or ideas that you pitched that just like never made it? Um, I pitched a lot of sketches that were black. <laughs> and, and they were like we don't have black cast members uh, i was like yeah it's me let me do it um i had a lot of sketches about the black mafia family at mm-hmm. the time you guys think you guys might be familiar right are you familiar with the black mafia family bmf yeah yeah i was really into that yeah. at the time and i just remember watching a video where they were like talking about how they were like because clearly there was this drug empire masquerading as a music industry with Correct, one yeah. artist yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's always this video that the uh, I think I had Big Meech in there and he was mm-hmm. talking about like Black Mafia takes off you gonna see us everywhere Black Mafia movies <laughs> TV shows plays and I was just like that is so ridiculous I just wanted to write a Black Mafia musical yeah and, uh, <laughs> and so that was my idea for a while um, I mean a lot of stuff I just end up 
right, right into like the CC Czar character. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you have any strong feelings about Gold Rush? I'm not familiar. What is Gold Rush? You, they they parodied it on on the show. It was that that show that took place. Yeah, they were miners up in. Uh, in oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> like a like a black Gold Rush. But yeah, what right, about, right, um, right. Yeah, I remember Joe Mandy hitting us up a number of times about like Riff Raff mm-hmm. and World Star and. I just think it was cool that the writer's room was so tapped into hip-hop at that time. Or hip-hop adjacent. Right. Yeah. No, I was always fascinated with Riff Raff. Myself, he seems, I mean, still, not as much now, now that he's like a full Trump supporter. I haven't <laughs> been as interested in him. You know, he's like a bodybuilder now. But now I he's did. like a fat bodybuilder. Yeah. Like, we saw him at um, at Complex Con, yeah, like, two weeks ago. Like, walked by. But he's like, like yeah. oh, right. MTV tattoo. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 So I'm on an airplane once, me and, and uh, Brent from my, from the show I was on. And we just, we were just walked by. And we were just like, one of us walks by and he just goes, Mr. Riff. And then I walk by and I go, Mr. Rat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was not amused. We thought it was hilarious. Was he wearing sunglasses on the plane? He was. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. He was full Riff I guess you, yeah, you got to commit, right? Yeah. After Kroll Show, what happens next? Um, at the Kroll Show, I'm acting on like a puppet show for Disney. XD, mm-hmm. which was real fun. Um, I got to learn a lot about character acting. Um, Danny Woodburn, who played Mickey on Seinfeld, mm-hmm. he was like kind of like the guy I worked with the most, and he just taught me a lot about just what it meant to be a character actor and and uh, just being professional on set. And um, that was kind of it. I was just kind of bouncing back and forth between writing and that, acting and that. Until are I you got professional on set now? Like um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I am. I am very professional on set. I like to say I show up early. That's how I always feel. Like, the more you know and the more experienced you are, you can take more leeway. But I was like, I don't know shit. I better be on time and I better be nice. You Not know? hide in the bathroom. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just found out I was better. I mean, um, I was kind of looking at the two different paths of whether I was going to go into mostly writing or, or go into acting. And I was just better at acting. And uh, they treated you better and they bought your lunches <laughs> instead of me having to pay for my own lunch. So I was like, man, acting seems like the way to go. But it's cool now because it's like I can act and I can also punch up scripts and, and write for myself. And that's what I'm the best at is when they let me have a little ownership of the character and do what i want to do in your career how much do people in los angeles not necessarily like your close friends but people like you know you'll meet a couple times how much do they think that they know what's best for you (laughs) in what regard like they're like you know you know what you should do you should you're really good at this and you should do more of this and you're like you've met me twice and no i don't want to yeah sometimes it doesn't i mean it doesn't really come up because I don't talk to that many people. <laughs> I keep my circle very small. I have like the same friends, like the guy who's opening for me here in New York. I've known since I started comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, and I mostly that's my whole crew. Is I have two or three people who I started comedy with. I still do it, and we just work together. And I can count on them to give me their honest opinion. Um, and a lot of them, they get it. They get me. Like when I was like. It's the same people who, when I said I wanted to do comedy, were like, oh, okay, I see that. Yeah. A lot of people were just like, you, no way, you're too quiet. But, like, my mom and stuff, she was like, yeah, that makes sense for you. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing. Like, when I was like, oh, I'm going to go to wrestling school, people were like, oh, yeah, 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 that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> 
Is there something special about going to either Chicago or to Salem or surrounding areas now as opposed to when you were living in each of those places? Yeah, it is um, probably more so Oregon now because my mom left Chicago and so I don't like I have my uncles and my cousins that come out sometimes. But when I go to Oregon, it's like I get like my high school friends. Yeah, I get a lot of people who show up and, and it's just cool to get that support and uh, just get that love really it, it's real nice and it's cool to see that I look a lot younger than that <laughs> <laughs> do you do like the flyer that says like Ron Funch is like homecoming like yeah. no like- no no I mean because like I've never even been like that I've never been the type of guy who's like uh, I'm gonna hold down my city you know? yeah. <laughs> it's probably because I moved around too much you mm-hmm. know right so I've always just been like home is wherever I'm at you know like I mean that's I love- so deep yeah <laughs> 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 it sounds like a real piece of shit. Uh, but you know, I mean, I love all Chicago sports teams. Like mm-hmm. if you were like to be like, "Hey, what do you, who do you represent?" Like I'm always like in the Bulls, Bears, Devils are my teams. Uh but like as far as like oh, I miss Chicago or I want to go live in Oregon and LA sucks. Like I'm never <laughs> been that type of guy. Right. I'm happy to be wherever I'm at. Um so how do you get into uh Mulaney show? Um, on his actual show? Yeah, on his actual show. Well, I Obviously, mean, you had toured around with yeah, him. Yeah, I toured around with him and hung out with him, and, and it was real cool. I think he got his his wife, his girlfriend at the mm-hmm. time, I think she had just seen some of my videos, and she introduced uh, me to him, and he just was like, I like your stuff. And he was, he was the first person that brought me to New York, and I always thought that was a big deal. He kind of became the way that I do business is a direct result of how he treated me like cause just bringing me out he put me up he would pay me over what the club was paying me and I was just like this is in New York I'm in Oregon like you could get anybody in New York to do this but you want me to come open for you and it was a big big deal for me and so now like with my friends I just try to you know take care of them make how sure how awesome is that yeah it's really decent yeah it's super decent it's just a good business man good person well and- tell us something shitty about him then <laughs> <laughs> Um, he loves drama. <laughs> he definitely loves talking shit, and that's real fun because we would talk shit about you know national comedians and legends. Yeah, me and him just talking shit about Eddie Murphy, and then I'd be like, "Do you want to see this?" I just thinking he wouldn't give a shit, but I was like, "Oh, I want to show you this local Oregon comic that." we're all making fun of and he was just like yes <laughs> <laughs> so that's what i like about him he's a little bitch drama loving bitch has eddie ever showed up to sarah silverman's parties no 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 so we're safe <laughs> but i just ended up working on a show i auditioned for it i really wanted it at the time i was like man this is would be a dream come true work with Melanie, work with my friend um and end up giving that part to i forget his name uh but the drug dealer character right mm-hmm. on there um and so then i just you know just ended up doing a guest spot playing a toucan and <laughs> i just had a lot of fun it was a fun time and a, f- a fun show to work on i understand that it didn't come out well uh, but like to me that's like everybody gets to mess up and and gets to learn things and the amount of respect that they showed for him by like airing out the full season mm-hmm. and never and just how well he's doing now just shows yeah. you that like man just 
keep plugging away. Clearly, you're a genius. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, you know, I mean, he's only gotten bigger, obviously, with, like, Oh, Hello. And mm-hmm. then, like, Radio City is, like, six or seven or eight nights, like, all sold out, which yeah. is incredible. It's, it's Oh, wonderful. yeah, no. I mean, that's, again, where I go back and I, I'm like, oh, look at me. I got, I made my bonus this week. <laughs> and then I look over there and it's just like, okay, just adding nights for you. <laughs> what was the experience, like, of going on... It, they would shoot on like the like one of the lots, right? Yeah, they shot on Fox. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And did you get into like the whole like you ride your bike on on the lot or <laughs> like the golf cart or whatever that is, like that lifestyle? Um, no, I never really <laughs> got into that. Mostly always in the hanging out in my trailer, mm-hmm. just chilling out. I bring my PlayStation with me, nice, and I would just hang out in there and try to avoid the snacks. Really. <laughs> That's really the downfall. Is like so many goddamn snacks. <laughs> Tell us about first meeting Conan. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was just like God, you know, mm-hmm. like for me, you know, Johnny Carson, all that stuff. Like that's who Conan was to me growing up, watching him in the 90s, watching like Pimp Bot and, and <laughs> all that other stuff. And I just always that was the show I wanted to get on. And so I got on there and I met him and like he's just really nice and personable and just a great leader when it comes to like. Now when I get to go sit on the couch and do interviews, he's just so sharp at like just leading you exactly where you need to go, where you just have to just follow along and hit the punchlines, and he makes you look like a million bucks. And um, just like the last time I went on afterwards, he just kind of leaned into me, and he was just like, man, I just want to let you know you're you're one of my favorite guests now. And I was just like, this is the good i could not even a dream come true like i couldn't even fathom this and he's just cool because he's just like a guy that loves comedy above all and i think that's what he sees in me as well uh that i'm not in it for like i mean i love money but i'm not in it for <laughs> money and i'm not in it to, wasn't in it to chase girls mm-hmm. i was in the comedy because i like i like sketches i like making jokes i like playing you know yeah. and i think that's where we kind of meet eye to eye on that type of stuff so you're not the comedian who makes the guy who drives you to each gig wait for you while you're fucking some girl at the (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) no i've never been i'm still barely i mean i've had a couple one night stands but it's rare it's rare also because again i don't drink Mm -hmm. so i really got a charm (laughs) (laughs) when you first got on conan is it something where you really look at that at that camera and you think that there's so many people watching beyond that camera or are you just sort of in the moment and you're there and you just look at the audience um i'm mostly just looking at the audience to tell you the truth i'm I'm just really like okay cool we made it here we did it now show them what we can do and just kill it and that's always kind of my mo when i do anything like that is to not just be happy that i'm there be happy but also just be like i think i don't remember whose advice it was but they were just like don't go up there being happy to be there. Go up there and think about all the people who told you you wouldn't be there and then show them. Yeah. And that's how I just try to do it when I Do you go. want to shout any of them out right here? <laughs> uh, shout out to my social studies teacher <laughs> in high school who when I said I was being a comedian, you said, oh, but also, I mean, what are you doing for money? Uh, oh God. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to my ex-wife. Mm. Uh, shout out to her mom. who are some of the people in music who have reached out to you and said that they respect your work um i mean the coolest i mean all of them are cool but like 
I think the coolest was like when I got Bun B to do the intro for my album. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just because he was like a fan of Undateable. <laughs> and I yeah. was just like, that is the funniest thing in the world to me. That would be like just this southern rap legend, uh, drug dealing legend, mm-hmm. all around gangster mm-hmm. who's just like, oh man, I just like watching that sick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll do your intro. <laughs> and it was just real cool. Didn't ask for any money. Didn't ask for anything. And um, it was just super cool. Um, I mean, Devin the Dude is mm-hmm. cool as fuck. Um, mostly, like, younger rappers, like Mikey Christmas mm-hmm. out of Boston. Mm-hmm. I fucked with him a lot. Um, I, I think I, I'm going to be in one of his music videos coming up. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, I mean, it just now also like I do these like treadmill jams of the day yep. with rappers that I like or just music that I like, and a lot of them end up writing me back and being like, "Oh, actually, this helps people come look at my shit when you yeah, do sure. this." So yeah. has like uh, has Big Crit reached out? No, not Big Crit. I wish, I wish <laughs> he did. I didn't because people were like, "You guys look alike," and I didn't see it. But then I was like, "I see it." I wanted to be mad, but actually, that's a compliment. So I'll take it. That's the handsome dude. Um, You're lucky, by the way, because. So so we've had meetings with like Lior Cohen, right? Mm-hmm. And like an hour and a half meeting, like a substantial meeting. And uh, the first one was, was when he was at 300, his label. And we sat down and in the middle of it, like 45 minutes in, he's like, you know who you remind me of? And we're just like, uh, you know, you know, I don't know. A- any, any, any Jew, Jew right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Harpo Marx. And we're like, Harpo Marx. And he's just like, yeah, I don't know. Something about you. And it's like. I see it. Oh, <laughs> but it's like the one who does the eh, eh, like doesn't yeah. even like talk. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> your cheese. <laughs> <laughs> but we went to a second meeting with him, and we know him very well. And we sit down in this meeting, and like five minutes in, he's like, "You know who you look like?" And we're like, "Harpo Marx." And he's like, "Someone's told you that before." We're like, "Yeah, you." <laughs> so you know, big crit's yeah. not so bad. Like, no, you know. and it's been changing a lot because it used to be when I was heavier, it was always like Wesley Willis or Bruce Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, lately it's just been like you look like big crit or you look like the weekend and i'm like this is, this is a lot better <laughs> <laughs> take that are you kidding yeah, yeah. You, should, you should go somewhere and tell people that you're the weekend and get in there yeah, you should tell michael christmas that you're the weekend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get a track <laughs> when you were growing up what kind of music were you listening to um i listened to a little bit of everything i grew up on my mom's music of course so it was a lot of like 60s soul music mm-hmm. um but again a lot of our b a lot of um and then just a lot of rap music you know my first tape that i purchased and it was a tape uh <laughs> was the fuji's the score yeah and um i was into that and then too short and then um devin the dude was uh, oh, man. when i was 13 really kind of like inspired you to start smoking <laughs> yeah i mean it still took me a few more years but it really really informed the way i look at life and humor and jokes because he was very funny he was very much an everyman he wasn't talking about shooting people and stuff he was just talking about like oh i just want to smoke weed and hang out with ladies and and sometimes bad things happen to me and that's what i rap about and and that's kind of like what i do with my comedy Mm -hmm. is the same type of vibe off of that i'm a bit like a lot of my influences come from either rap or pro wrestling and um so like I would say my biggest influences on my comedy directly from rap would be uh, Devin the Dude and, and Currency yeah because uh, I just always like how 
currency again very chill very down to earth never the thing where you're like oh he's a punk you know he's clearly like a down solid dude mm-hmm. but he's just like oh and also i'll tell you about the, the shows i'm watching i'll do a reference to like the second season of the real world mm-hmm. and things like that <laughs> and that's kind of like how i do with my humor now where i'll be like talk about wishbone or talk about just these things i grew up loving because i think if Hey, if I can get you on the base joke, it's dope. But then if you also get my references, and then we have a deeper connection. Because then right. you're like, oh, I know what this dude watches. I know what he's about. And I do the same thing. And that's that's what I fell in love with, with Currency's music. And that's what I try to emulate. What is your acting schedule like now? Like, like what's the ratio between auditions and actually, like, shooting these days? Um, You know, it's, it's getting better. Uh, I'm doing getting some things where i get offered some things and that's awesome yeah um mostly i'm doing a lot of little guest spots on different shows different pilots or whatever um i was on curb your enthusiasm last saw week. that mm-hmm. and then I did what was the, that like oh that was amazing did you look larry david in the eyes i did that time <laughs> i did and i just mostly i just scoped him like a hawk and just <laughs> watched whatever he did try to figure out his, his style his secret sauce and um yeah like what how many how many takes are you doing of of. Not that many, like three or four, and it's really just them going like, uh, "Larry needs this information from you. You don't want to give it to him, but eventually you give it to him, <laughs> and that's it." <laughs> and then they cut the part where you where you actually give them the information. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. They cut that out and then um, put it into the deleted scenes. I think. Uh, so I was just upset. But <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, everybody out there is still buying DVDs. Like we're all good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it was just again, it was cool to be a part of it. I uh, really, I was working on another show at the time, and they were they were threatening to not let me go, and I was like, really? I will quit. Yeah, <laughs> I will quit for this one line, <laughs> one, one that you were acting on, or one yeah, that you were writing. I was acting on it. Yeah, yeah, it's a show called Powerless on mm-hmm. NBC. Um, and they were just like, we might need you. Because whenever you're working there, they just were like, no, don't mess with our schedule, even though they don't need you. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at the script going like, no, I'm not in this scene. I'm not in this scene. It should be fine. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, we don't know. We might need you. So you can't do it. And then, but, you know, we just strong armed them. <laughs> How does it feel to be back at NBC after having been there, you know, 2013 or whatever? Uh, I mean, it's cool. Um, it's just nice to go to a place and and actually know people. Um, mostly anything that I've shot has been at Warner Brothers Studio, and so it's kind of cool to like walk in and have security guards know who you are mm-hmm. and people be nice to you because a lot of times you're just like, especially with me, they were just like, "What are you here? What are you here?" And then they just be like, "Are you a grip?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm acting. <laughs> are you the weekend? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. start a whole new life. Yeah. <laughs> really uh, like Don Draper it. <laughs> But, I mean, it's just cool because, I mean, you know, executive-wise and stuff, I don't really know people, but it's, like, the ground floor people, the people who do impress and stuff, like, it's always cool when they see me and they're like, oh, great, I'm glad that you're still working, I'm glad that you have a job because you're a nice dude and you, you're you good at this job. And that's, I mean, that's all I ever want to hear is, is shit like that. Totally. So, I mean, right now I'm just kind of working on my own projects and, and trying to pitch things. We're going to pitch things around at the end of the month. I'm working with Seth Rogen on on the project and that's awesome yeah i'm excited about it well now i'm excited about it yeah (laughs) uh so you've worked obviously on a lot of like voice acting roles bob's burgers i know everybody they they like to do it when everybody's like around each other Mm -hmm. do you like that more do you like 
doing it sort of like in the solo vocal booth more? To be honest, I mean, the energy of when you're doing it together is awesome because you 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 can probably you can improvise more and you can uh, you just don't have to. Uh, put as much imagination into it you just kind of live it but for, I think I work a little better solo mm-hmm. um, just because I, I'm more free when I don't look over and think I have someone looking at me you know um, I think that's when I do my best work is because I can just really get weird and wild and do as many takes as I like um, both are fine but like I just think it's easier to do it solo and, and more uh, definitely more time effective mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole time and do my two lines <laughs> Um, what was it like dancing in front of? I imagine in front of Justin Timberlake for uh, "Can't Stop the Feeling." <laughs> yeah. By the way, this morning I was I was watching the video and you know I'm like blasting it in the apartment <laughs> and Eric is like like just having a Justin Timberlake sort of morning and I'm like no no, no. I'm like you know doing research. Ron was in the video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either way, it's a hit. Yes, <laughs> should be playing it. Uh, it was a jam of the summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved it so much every time I heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was cool. The video was cool. I didn't really. He wasn't there for right. that. It was just me and a um, in an arcade because they were just like, "Where are you? Where would you want to be?" And I was like, "This is where I hang out." So <laughs> we just did it in an arcade. But I did have to, to sing on it, do some backgrounds on it for the movie version, and and that like he was there and he was directing me and. and that was crazy and that was intense to be like okay because i just thought i could play around and just be like um you know i can't sing so i'll just do some <laughs> funny stuff and then he was just like no i'm, I'm gonna need you to do it exactly like this <laughs> <laughs> just, yes sir <laughs> and it was just cool he's real down to earth real nice person and real fucking passionate mm. about what he did and it was cool to see someone who cares as much about uh, a different art form as much as I care about comedy and I'm just be like oh it's clear why you're successful yeah. this is what you're about um, and it was just I mean again I never thought I'd ever ever be in like a booth in Justin Timberlake's studio trying to sing a song and then my mom <laughs> met him and tried to sexually assault him <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a cool life um, have you seen Justin since uh, just at the movie premiere. Mm-hmm. I just saw him at the premiere where my mom attacked him, and he <laughs> got very scared until <laughs> I came up. Because he was looking for security. And then I was like, no, 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 Justin, this is my mom. Like, and he was, then he hugged her and was nice to her. He's a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you were on our friend's show, uh, Dizzy Zamero. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you go about choosing your rainbow? Um, I just did it at the time because I had no idea about it. I hadn't <laughs> seen the show at the time. I just knew them from like random podcast work and sketch mm-hmm. work and, you know, being the Bodega Boys and whatnot. But I had never been on their show and I didn't know. I mean, that was one of the lately one of the biggest deals I'd been on because, man, they are very, very popular. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Very, very nice guys. Mm-hmm. Def- I could say like they're their new uh, Wayne's World, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just... Wait, was uh, Black Wayne's World another idea that you had for Cole Show? Yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I just knew how big of a deal it was because the next day I was in Philadelphia doing a show and a guy saw me and he was all like, you're on Jesus and Mero. And yeah. you're like, no, that was Big Crit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, here's a free whoopie pie. And I was like, what? <laughs> free whoopie pie? This is the best show ever. 
uh, but it was just real cool and real funny and they were real uh, I mean low key about everything and probably one of the best interviews I had like I, mean, I got a lot of great feedback off of it so it was a cool spot um, what was your uh, rainbow uh, I think it was uh, oh just I think it was just be nice get be nice get your money I think it was mm-hmm. yeah 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 also good advice just to live by you know yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's my yeah be nice <laughs> get your money you don't have to go get everyone's money but go get yours it's there for you i've seen it i've seen it out i live in la i know it's there go get your money see the longer explanation yeah, is an yeah. even better rainbow it was too big is yeah. it too late to go down to miami and get your money like literally? it might be too late but you know i've made more money since then i'm okay with it and i got it to go to miami i got that story i got to see some cuban butts it was awesome <laughs> So now when you're when you're uh touring around the country, how often do you revamp your your set? Um I re- I try to I mean right now I've been mostly trying to focus on honing an hour to try to sell. Um so if you've seen me in the last since the summer till now, you've probably seen a lot of the same shit. Mm-hmm. Um and then I'll just kind of dump it and move on. Um I'm not the most prolific writer. I'm not like Kyle Kinane or or something like that or or uh, Louis C.K., thanks, God. Because <laughs> we see what you have to do to do that. <laughs> uh, but, like, I just try to live my life and, and whatever comes out of that. Because um, I don't really do topical stuff. I don't do political material. I just do things that excite me. And, and so usually it's, like, whatever show I'm watching or what my son's doing. And so a lot of times that takes a little bit more time to actually live through it has some life changes mm-hmm. uh like i mean i just bought a house and uh, my mom's getting ready to come live with me and that's I'm like, awesome. okay there'll be some material yeah <laughs> super dope. that's yeah. the only reason to keep doing stuff um you have one of the best laughs that i know of oh thank you yeah um which is better than you know when people criticize like you know elliot oh. wilson's laugh or sure. our laugh yeah, on, yeah, yeah, on a yeah, podcast yeah. but um i was wondering uh can you do a fake laugh Ha! <laughs> that's a fake laugh that's like if you hear me at a club and one of my friends are bombing <laughs> when you were doing early stand-up did you have to sit through like bringer crowds like that whole like where it's like 20 people are gonna be going up there and you're like number 18 and you have to like wait through the first no, 17 i didn't because i was i wasn't in a big city mm-hmm. you know and we, so we didn't have that we don't it's not like la and new york where you have that it was just more like surprise shows yeah like we're at a bar and you just thought you came to drink with your friends <laughs> but guess what there's a show now why are you mad <laughs> oh no sh- now shut up <laughs> stop talking to your friends we're gonna do a show and i'm not good yet <laughs> um is there is there video of early you on youtube I'm sure there is. Yeah. You have yeah. you have not like sat down and just done like a sort of like rabbit hole of your early work. No, that sounds <laughs> like a, a really quick way to get depressed. <laughs> no, I don't look myself up. I don't understand when people like have Google alerts for themselves, for themselves. or things like that. Like I just keep it moving. Really, yeah. like um, I'll go back and watch like the last things I did and critique myself. Like I watched like the curb and i was like oh that was cool for the small amount that i did and mm-hmm. then 
then I watched The Future Man that I did on Hulu, and I was like, oh, cool, your acting is, I just like to go and like, oh, okay, cool, you look like an actor, as opposed to, like, just a comic reading lines. Right. And um, so that's all I care about is if I see some progress, but as far as, like, I don't care what other people really think about my shit. That's dope. You know? Like, I don't really do it for that. I just do it for, I mean, I want people to like it. Right. But, like, I also just want me to like it. I want to do the comedy that I, I don't see a lot of the comedy that I want to see. So I like to do it. Well, was there a turning point where you, like, stopped listening to what other people might critique you and, and say? Yeah. Uh, mostly when I moved to L.A. Before then, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to like any comedy podcast that just so that you feel connected, feel a part of it, see what's going on. And um, but then it's just like became e- too easy to hear other people's voices in my head. And then when I'd go to write, I could hear like like oh you're writing a, a Pete Holmes joke or you're writing a Mulaney joke. And so it just became like oh get rid of that. Don't listen to that. Now it's just all back to pro wrestling podcasts and video <laughs> games and just just kind of do what you want to do because i think um it might have been Patton who was just like saying like your first 10 years or so are you learning how to do comedy and constructing it and then you kind of deconstruct yourself and then just become yourself mm. and i think that i'm at the beginning of that right now where i'm like oh i know the rules i know how to do setups punchlines callbacks i know how to do all of that and now i'm just learning how to be more me be myself talk about the things that i care about and take more time and not necessarily be looking and needing laughter every 30 seconds like, yeah you know so anything else no, I was going to wait for 30 seconds and then laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, congratulations on everything, really. Thank like, you. making it all the way from, I mean, Los Angeles back to Los Angeles. But <laughs> now you have a now you have a house there with a the backyard where you can do your backyard wrestling, right? Yeah. Excited. We put no people in the pool. We're jumping <laughs> off the balcony. Oh, it's crazy over there. We get sued for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming through. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste Time with It's The Real Jeff. If people want to find out more about you and me, you're Jeff. I'm Eric. We're It's The Real. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's The Real. If people want to find out what we're going to be up to in the next year, 2018, where can they go? I don't know. Ask a psychic. Go to itsthereal.com. Today, you can always find all of our updates on itsthereal.com, I-T-S-C-H-E-R-E-A-L. If you go to SoundCloud, you can listen to all of our old episodes at soundcloud.com slash a waste of time. You can also go to iTunes and search for a waste of time with It's The Real. Every single day, I find out we're on a new streaming platform. Today, I found out we were on YouTube and Audio Mac. Hey. You can search for us on any streaming platform to listen to our podcast. It's worth a listen on any single one. If you want to listen to our music, that is also on all the DSPs, including Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music, Pandora, Title, Title, all of them. Go search for Teddy Bear Fresh by It's The Real. Our album is doing very well on Spotify especially. You can always go find us on Instagram at It's The Real, Twitter at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real. I am on Snapchat. I don't really use it, but I have been getting ads. As in people are adding me, not not getting ads. 
I'm not being sponsored oh. by people. But uh, but we are there. It's, it's it's the real. Also, we're on Twitch and we haven't used it yet. But if any nerds want to follow us, we are it's the real. It's the real on there. And go to YouTube.com/slash/it's-the-real and watch all of our content there. Jeff, this podcast does not grow unless the good people who listen to this podcast regularly tell a friend. And we love when you guys tell a friend, and we like to tell our friends to tell their friends. So, Jeff, which friend would you like to tell? I want to tell Zeke Hirschberg, who just started his job at Alamo Music. He now has a cubicle outside of Todd Moskowitz's office, and congratulations to him on his new venture forward. Jeff, I would like to shout out Shiva Singh 23 because Shiva went on iTunes and left a comment saying, was told to leave a review on multiple intros, so here I am, great podcast, only request is for y'all to go on Everyday Struggle. Guys, if you go and search Everyday Struggle with Kyle, we are on that episode, on the episode out in ComplexCon in Long Beach, California. It's a lot of fun, we tried our best to make him laugh, it sort of went left, but it went so left, it did not go well at all. But go. I, f- I feel terrible about it, to be honest. But go back and watch it and let us know what you guys think. We so appreciate you guys tuning in week after week after week. As always, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys next week. Right.